The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. I think we should start by thinking of those who are on the East Coast who are going to be affected by Hurricane uh, Dorian. Um, it's looking like it's all over the place as far as category status. Started out up to a five. Um, Weakened to a two, but they're saying it's growing and it's going to be coming up the East Coast. So keep us here at the Adrian Slade Show headquarters. I'm Adrian Slade, by the way, in your prayers because we are right there on the coastline. You can't get any more coastal than where we are located in our studios. So uh, we can't see the beach, but we can drive to it fairly quickly. So keep keep us in prayers. Um Whatever you do, Virginia's already called for a state of emergency. South Carolina, Georgia, they have evacuations. So just keep everybody in prayers, especially with Florida. Um, the reason, again, why they do the state of emergency when it hasn't come anywhere close to our state is because being that we enjoy federalism, the states have the sovereignty. The feds have to be asked to come in. This was the breakdown of Hurricane Katrina. Everybody got mad at George W. Bush. Oh, you should just get in there and fix it. You know, you can't do that. Ha- they they never called for a state of emergency until after the hurricane hit. Then it's too late to mobilize all of that assistance. So keep that in mind. Whenever you see something, you're like, wow, these states haven't even been affected. They're already calling for state of emergency. That's the reason why. So we have that bearing down on us. Tons of stuff in the program to cover. Um, if we're going to fight hurricanes maybe we can't nuke them like they tried to say that president trump said which was complete utter bs more fake news more narrative crafting more ways to get people up in arms and say he's crazy and maybe we can pull a 25th amendment and get rid of him if we can't nuke him i have a gentleman who has a solution can't see how they haven't come up with some kind of way to come combat these storms yet they keep saying, oh, you know, two days ago, three days ago, oh, it's said this, but it's going to hit all this warm weather, all this warm weather and warm water. We have a Navy. Why don't the Navy come and drop ice in the warm water so it, that it can't get going as fast as it's going? There's got to be ways to combat this instead of just pointing at the thing and saying, well, it's, uh, now it's getting worse. Yeah, we know it's getting worse, but you tell us. Oh, it's the warm weather. Oh, it's the wind. Well, we have an Air Force. Drive some Air Force planes around to get the winds going the opposite way. Get the Navy to go in circles to fight it the other way. Yeah, there you go. Now you're thinking. Now you're thinking. You know, the warm waters because of climate change are bringing these storms in here? Get the, get the Navy out there to drop ice in the water. You know, the winds, the winds are speeding right towards us. The hurricane's coming right at Get the Air Force out there to turn that monkey around. Oddly enough, have you noticed what his two solutions to fighting this hurricane? It's, it's a natural phenomena. They're government related. It's 
We have this, we have that, government should do something. And that is the biggest problem with what we have. You know, it's always, what will government do? We have a shooting down here in Texas where a guy gets pulled over. Um, He lost his job as a truck driver. He gets uh, pulled over from... Uh, from having a turn signal out or something like that. He didn't use his turn signal. He ends up shooting the cop. Apparently, he called the FBI and the cops when he left work, and so did his work, (laughs) previous employer. Um, What they didn't say is that he was dealing heavily with his sister's suicide, which was recently, uh, which happened recently. So he ends up going on a car chase. He ends up shooting tons of people. I think seven died. He steals a mail truck. And all of a sudden, everybody's coming after the guns again. And this is what we deal with. The left is insane about gun control. Because why should we lose our rights? Why should a law-abiding citizen, such as myself, such as you, why should we be denied access to something that will defend our natural rights? Because this guy who couldn't even pass a gun uh, background check, ends up getting a weapon somehow and taking out these people. And we're supposed to allow a government who has spied on our president? A government who used the DOJ, the FBI, the FISA warrant system to spy on a private citizen running for public office? That could have been you. That could have been me. That could be my son. And just because they don't like him, he's not in the know. We can just spy away. We're going to let that government be the one to only have the weapons? Look what's happening in Hong Kong. China is bearing down on them big time. If they had the right to self-defense, well, maybe they'd have more of a chance. Everybody keeps going, well, you know, the military would have all the guns. You think you can fight the military? Well, guess what? A large percentage of the military are citizens who love this nation. They love this country. They're soldiers who are defending their family, their friends, you and I. I guarantee when the order comes down from on high, hey, why don't we take out this city block? They're going to be like, no, no, not doing it. And it's not just America that has this phenomenon. Look at what's happening in Venezuela with uh, Juan Guardo, however you say his name. You know, he's up against uh, uh, Maduro, and the military is on his side. They're not on Maduro's side. Maduro is the authoritarian leader that will not leave. And look what happens. They have to get the Cuban military involved. (laughs) Maduro has to outsource the Cuban military to come in. Because his own military doesn't want to fight its own citizens. They're fed up, too. Look what happens in China. Xi Jinping decides he's going to be ruler for life. Oh, I guess that would never happen in America. I mean, Maduro won't leave. Look what happened in Gambia. That guy wouldn't leave either. Took him months before he finally got pulled out of there. So to sit there and and assume that we live in a benevolent government that would never weaponize its powers against the private citizen like they did to Donald Trump, When he was running for office, he was even in the transition. He was already elected, and they still spied on him. They still circumvented his due process. They still investigated him to death. 
So you're going to allow them to be the only ones with the guns. So you, if you have a military who a good portion of the military would turn upon it, and then you had the citizenry, look at what's happened in Afghanistan. Taliban holds up pretty well, don't they? So to assume that they're just going to come through with like Eric Swalwell nukes and just nuke out cities and what have you is to be pretty short-sighted. And we shouldn't be giving up our, our natural rights to idiots who are in cahoots with pedophiles like Jeffrey Epstein, and then they magically go disappearing into the night. Remember that French uh, uh, booking agency that we talked about? Was it M2-something? who was good friends with Jeffrey Epstein, and they were thought to be some of the, some of the talent cultivators out there. Yeah, he's uh, magically disappeared too. Maybe we'll find, uh, what's her name, Grislaine Maxwell someday soon. But if these elites are the only ones that have the guns and the protection, who's to say they're not going to come into your cell, turn the cameras off, make the guards fall asleep for three hours, and get their job done? Think about that when you're thinking of these uh, disarming gun debates that you have online. They didn't say the right to uh, you have the right to uh, tedious loading single shot musket. They said you have the right to bear arms and it shall not be infringed. The technology just makes it more efficient. But they did this because they knew there would be more of us armed than there would be of them. And it's written in the Federalist Papers. It's explained that way to explain why they came up with the Second Amendment in the first place. Sponsor for this portion of the program is Patriot Mobile. Look, you give your money for cell phone service. You give your money to different businesses out there. And what do they do? They turn around and use it for different progressive ideas and progressive causes and put money behind things like Planned Parenthood and and anti-Second Amendment rights organizations. Well, Patriot Mobile is an option for you as far as cell phone service, that you can pay in to a great service and at the same time support causes that you would want to support, like the National Rifle Association, you know, going against Planned Parenthood. All you have to do is call 1-877-367-7524. You keep your, keep your phone number, you bring your own phone, or you can buy a new one. Patriot Mobile is America's only conservative cell phone company. It's reliable has nationwide service, no hidden fees. They donate a portion of their profits to organizations fighting for the First and Second Amendments, family values, small government, and pro-life organizations. You've got the Moto Z3 Play, $5 a month, limited time only if you use the promo code 5 when you call 1-877-367-7524 or visit PatriotMobile.com. You can use your cell phone every day. Patriot Mobile provides the opportunity for you to use your cell phone to make a change. You know, Big Mobile, like we said, supports values that you don't believe in, like Planned Parenthood, abortion, open borders, liberal candidates. Make the switch to PatriotMobile.com and support your values. Be sure to call 877-367-7524. That's 877-367-7524. All right, let's talk about cancel culture. If you don't know what cancel culture is, what it is is it's the leftist and they if you have a viewpoint that doesn't agree with their agenda, their wokeness, you know, all the all the views that they have, the politically correct views, 
the right things to say, the right things to think, then you're canceled. That means you're just taking out everything. And we've talked about this from time to time. We talked about the deplatforming of people on social media and websites and the, uh, the attack on people through uh, monetary means. So they will cancel you from existence. They will put pressure to have your employer throw you out if for some reason, I don't know, you don't think uh, a guy looking like a dude, I mean, a, a dude looking like a girl should be called he or she if you dead name them by calling them by their birth name, their biological name that was given to them based on their true sex, which DNA determines, chromosomes determine, then you're canceled. Now, cancel culture has really kind of been on the rise. What, what I call it digital Antifa. What they do is they take certain methods, certain procedures and processes to search through certain uh, techniques to search through social media. There's ways on Twitter where if you put at in the name of an individual and put in a keyword, it'll bring tweets going years and almost a decade back. You can do these things to search for individuals and they do it all the time. So they're going to put in keywords that require, uh, you know, something to fit in their wokeness, uh, their, their wokeness violation, you know, repertoire. I guess that's the best way to say it. You know, they're, they're going to find a word that fits in with a violation of wokeness and they're going to search through. And if they find it, <laughs> you're canceled. And and it's what they'll do is they'll put out your personal information. They'll put out where you live, who you work for. They're hoping the rage mob shows up online and bombards you. You know, they'll do it in person. Look what they did to Tucker Carlson. They raided his house. You've got Deborah Messing out there from Will and Grace. I don't think she's done anything since then. She's out there saying she wants to dox, which again, dox means put out all the information on all the personal details of any individual, make it public so the crazy rage mob will show up. Maybe they'll try to gun you down at a baseball practice. Who knows? But... She wanted to put out all the names of all the individuals that showed up at Trump's charity event. Yeah, that's called doxing. Even though she thinks, well, you know, these are businesses and and Hollywood people, and I think we should all know who they are. No, you don't have to know. And I don't have to tell you who I want to pay, you know, money for politically. (laughs) Political speech should be, maybe we should go back to the, the private vote you know, where somebody came up and told you, uh, hey, I voted for so-and-so. Who did you vote for? And, and you responded with, well, that's, that, that's private. You know, I want to keep that to myself because that's a, you know, it's an important decision. Um, yeah, maybe we need to go back to that. So we, we saw this happening with Dave Chappelle. And it's funny, too. They did it with Kevin Hart. Remember, they found out some old tweets that he put up. I love the Babylon Bee because the Babylon Bee is, you know, it's a parody account. <laughs> they, had a, they had a tweet that said for an article that they wrote that said, the prodigal son kicked out of the house when old tweets, old racist tweets <laughs> were discovered. They always take a, a good, you know, kick in the balls of, of culture and, and tie it into 
their parodies. But yeah, Dave Chappelle was recently the recipient of this, but he's got what, like I said in the last show, what I call um, DJAF money. You know, don't give up money. So he can kind of go, you know what? This is crap. I'm going to take this on. And he actually gained probably the first return fire win against the woke culture, the leftist outrage mob, the sensitive, I don't want to say snowflake because that's the most overused term, but it, but it fits them. The, the sensitive safe spacers that can't handle di- diverse thought and they got to go in the corner and cry. Oh, you hurt my feels. Yeah. He delivered a bombshell with his new uh, special. And the great thing about his new special, he starts off toying with the audience a little bit. Then he starts lobbing bombs. And then what's really interesting is when he really wants to lob the biggest bombs, he starts out taking the position that the leftists probably would approve of. And then he flips his script and takes a juxtaposition on that position that could be wildly absurd, deeply disturbing. But that was the point. It was the joke that mattered. He wasn't saying, hey, I want to go out there and abandon kids over abortion. But he did make a point. Hey, um, if you if a woman has the right to, you know, kill my child, I have the right to abandon it if I don't want to pay for it. So, you know, those kind of things. It was funny to watch the audience take one side and then next thing you know, just get kicked in the nads on the other side. And that's the beauty of his comedy. It's almost like Louis C.K. I remember Louis C.K. would do uh, really disturbing premises in his jokes, but he was doing it more to just kind of make people squirm in their seats. He wasn't doing it because he was advocating some sort of depraved behavior, even though he had his own little issues. So Rotten Tomatoes decides, hey, um, we're going we're gonna to continue the wokeness. We're going to shape the public opinion of wokeness because Rotten Tomatoes has been given too much credibility. These little fact-checking websites, these little standards, these little places you go to, I, you know, my wife is big on checking out the reviews on, you know, like Yelp or maybe you're going to get something on, uh, online, you're going to book a hotel room and she's checking out the reviews. And I said, you know, you can't really trust those because there are people out there that will just want to attack a business and put crappy reviews or take things out of context. Maybe they were the prick, but they didn't like the way the, tr- the hotel handled them. And they're going to go around and put bad reviews up there. So you can't really go off of that. Rotten Tomatoes has built themselves into this brand like Snopes did at one point where, you know, they're the trustworthy go-to place to go. You know, if you really want to see something, you go to Sno- you go to um, Rotten Tomatoes and check it out and go, hmm, it's probably worth watching. You've got too many options out there for streaming that it's helpful if you have something where you go, yeah, I'm not going to waste my time. It's not a bunch of crap. A lot of people seem to like it. That doesn't mean that I'm going to like it, but I'm going to give it a chance. So you're more apt to have that. Well, Rotten Tomatoes decided to give Dave Chappelle a zero. They wouldn't even let the audience have a score on it. Would not let them score at all. Now, that was in the beginning. So they went, you know, a week where they finally said, okay, we can't hold this off for too long. You know, YouTube is, is, from what I've heard from people that actually use YouTube as a platform and get 
money from it. They monetize their content. I have heard the way that they're doing the demonetization is they basically bury it in the graveyard of YouTube views and recommendations and even search for eh, 48 hours, you know? So by then, if you're doing a daily show based on content, well, your content's already past due. It's already old. You're off to something else. Oh, you'll start making money. Then maybe some people will go back and watch it, but the initial explosion of people, you know, like when you sell a book, that initial explosion of people can never happen. And so Rotten Tomatoes decided we're going to take that approach. We're going to not let the audience put up anything else, but we are going to tomato meter Dave Chappelle's special at 29%. 29%. That thing is hilarious. I mean, do I think it's the most amazing comedy special in the world? No, but I'll tell you right now, it's what we need. It was what we needed. And on top of what we needed, it was almost because of the fact that the vacuum for that kind of content has been created so huge because of the white noise of wokeness. He stepped into the gap with full guns blazing. He has now delivered what would be the equivalent of this generation's Richard Pryor special or Eddie Murphy special. You know, those were those, those amazing specials that were hilarious that people talked about for years that just made an impact on the culture. Well, Dave Chappelle just did that, and we can't have that happen. We can't have diversity of thought being given a platform. New no siree. So 29% on the tomato meter, meter, but now they have finally allowed audience uh, scores. And guess what? The audience score went with 99% in favor of it. Now, to add more juxtaposition to it, there's a documentary called Knock Down the House. Yeah, who is that? Oh, that's the documentary about the squad. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Taliba, you know, all those new Democrats coming into prominence. Wow, what did they get on the tomato meter from Rotten Tomatoes? 100% amazing. This is a galvanizing glimpse behind the scenes of a pivotal election. Knock down the house should prove engrossing for viewers and all political persuasions. What was the audience score? 35 freaking percent. 35% y'all. Because they're trying to manufacture trends. I mean, they're doing it in social media algorithms. You know, they're trying to manufacture the news items that come through your feed, the algorithms that manufacture what you see on YouTube or what's going to be provided up next on Netflix. They search results on Google. Nothing they do is organic and based on its merit. None of it. Everything they do has to be based on how they can manipulate the trend because you're too stupid to like what they should think that you like and that what you might like might be wrong and we have to correct that so you can't see certain things. That's as fascistic as it gets. And yet, we're the fascist. We're the ones that they come after. So, I would say, use your discretion, do your homework, take chances. That's the best way to do it. That's what I do. I don't give in to the frame of mind of, of what the thought leaders or the so-called thought leaders think we should be thinking about or looking into. Because it's all utter crap. They're serving you crap. And then they're telling you it's good crap. And then all the great stuff that comes by, 
Yeah, nothing to see over here. We can't look at that. Might make you think, might make you reevaluate your views, you know, unplanned movie much, you know, you might watch it and really kind of get hit really hard seeing that, that ultrasound of that baby up there that's going to be sucked out of the womb. Yeah, that might cause you to rethink some things. So we're going to talk a little bit more about cancel culture and its newest casualty in just a minute on the other side of the break. Combat flip-flops, bad for running, worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops is a veteran-owned company that funds education and demining. Everything Combat Flip-Flops manufactures is made in an area of conflict or post-conflict, like Afghanistan, Colombia, Laos. And you can check out more about Combat Flip-Flops by checking out the TED Talk by Combat Flip-Flops CEO Matt Griffin on YouTube. You can also use the promo code SLADE25 and you will get 25% off of your first purchase. Go to CombatFlipFlops.com. That's CombatFlipFlops.com. This is Adrian Slade. The Adrian Slade Broadcast. What culture is insane? What culture is what gave us all of these crazy ideas that eating meat is destroying the environment and that the sugar trade was because of slavery and modern-day corporations are built on the management style of slavery. It's all insane. And woke culture is also what gave us 62 different genders. Cisgender, pansexual, non-binary, two-spirit spokes, that whatever they are. I don't even know. But woke culture and cancel culture, which we're going to get into what was a casualty that turned out to be a resuscitation because the individual involved with the media hit job was given his job back. We're going to get into that. But the cancel culture is actually being spearheaded by the people who are really concerned about their identity and about their sex and about their gender and about their identity. So they're going to go, well, I can't figure out if I'm gay or, or lesbian because I'm a female and I love females, but yet I'm non-binary, which means I'm not really, I don't look like a lesbian because I don't look like a woman. I look like a man. I look like Ricky Schroeder, like, you know, 20 years down the line after Silver Spoons ended up and I'm going to wear this little fedora on and I'm going to talk about how I identify as a butch, but it's all over the place. These people are insane. So let's listen to a little bit of this non-binary explanation of genders and your head's going to explode because it will not make sense to you. It sounds like gibberish. It sounds like they're trying to rationalize irrational stances, but they're basing their entire truth on nothing. So there is no truth. So there is no foundation. So there is no rationality. Just listen to this crazy explanation of the gender inequality. My pronouns are they, them. 
I am a non-binary they lesbian. Them. So I'm Tortor. I identify as non-binary and lesbian, and I prefer the pronouns they, them. I prefer as far F-U. As I'm my understanding of my gender and my understanding of my sexuality are very much intertwined and linked, like they are one and the same. So can you be non-binary and lesbian? This is something I often I get asked, because when you identify as non-binary, you're saying that you're not female. And if you're not female and you're attracted to women, does that make you a lesbian? I think it's uh, sort that of lassie actually looks like that you can't be both an effeminate Ricky Schroeder because you can definitely like have an authentic experience as a non-binary person. Because at the end of the day, they are terms. They are linguistic tools used to describe an experience that already exists. Huh? So you yeah, they're terms you guys made I up. I can't be a non-binary lesbian doesn't mean anything because I already am one, and I'm just oh. using the language that I have available to me. Wherever to you go, that. there so you are. My personal experience uh, with the lesbian community since coming out as non-binary uh, has been uh, rather dismal. <laughs> um, a lot of lesbians that I've encountered, especially on dates, haven't accepted my identity as something that they are interested in dating because or you look accepting. Like a dude. To the point where some women have wanted me to use my birth name, which I feel very uncomfortable to use, um, because they want me to be more of a woman. Yeah, because you've already killed that name, isn't that? Uh, Don't you call it dead naming or something? So they're almost bullying me out of my own identity, which (laughs) You're getting bullied by the lesbians out of your own identity. You can't be both non-binary and a lesbian, but I do think that I don't know what the hell is on non-binary. Lesbianism as an identity means both now and historically. But I'm still expected to kind of explain that even in the context of a dating app, which is obviously I'm not going on there. This is a head-spinning explanation of insanity. To be honest, what other label can I use? There is no label to describe a non-binary person being Uh, attracted to one binary gender. So the only word I feel is applicable to describe how I identify sexually uh, is lesbian how about crazy Uh, whether that's right or wrong i don't know but to be honest i think whatever label you feel comfortable with you should be allowed to use utter insanity yeah it's those insane confused individuals who are directing and captaining the woke cancel culture i mean they can't even decide what the heck they are they can't even figure out their own (laughs) paradox they can't figure out their own it's really unbelievable they can't I've never heard more confusion in my life. And so now we've got this in, individual within the uh, labor uh, department. Um, what's his name? Trump's labor department. His new senior advisor, Lee Olson. He was the first casualty in a while. Well, he was the most recent casualty in a while to actually pole vault and supersede the cancel culture's uh, effects. He actually was reinstated. He was he resigned recently because of an article, and then he was reinstated. And <laughs> rightfully so, because when you find out why he was uh, pushed out, when you find out what this article was all about, it's ridiculous. I mean, the guy got drummed out of town by this stupid article from Bloomberg. And the author who did it decided to take it upon himself to peruse his social media to find the one article that um, he can use against him or the fi- find the one post he could use against him and then turn around and weaponize it to push him out because they don't care about whether or not it's legitimate that their credibility is on the line. They want to just destroy. That's all they want to do. 
This is the Bloomberg article in question. Trump labor aide quits after anti-Semitic Facebook posts surface. Just like that Babylon Bee. I kid you not. <laughs> the prodigal son kicked out after new tweets emerge. A recently appointed Trump Labor Department official with a history of advancing controversial conservative and faith-based causes in court has resigned after revelations that he wrote a 2016 Facebook post suggesting the Jewish-controlled media protects their own. Right there in the first, first article, just take it apart. Oh, he's a Trump Labor Department guy with a history of advancing controversial conservative and faith-based causes. So he's pushing conservatism and that's evil. Oh, and he's, he believes in God. Oh, he's definitely a white supremacist. Because that's what it means. If you're a Christian, that means white supremacist. But I'm telling you, every time you see somebody say, oh, he's a white supremacist, you got to take that and eliminate that from the sentence and replace it with Christian conservative. For hours after Bloomberg Law requested comment from the White House and the DOL about Leif Olson's social media post, the department has said he resigned without elaboration. Olson, 43, started at the Labor Department's Wage and Hour Division August 12th as a senior policy advisor after being cleared from his job at the White House. He was part of a team of political appointees working to finish a series of deregulatory actions that are pivotal to the White House uh, employment agenda. So right there, he's a threat to the regulations set in play by Obama, so we have to snipe him out whether it's legitimate or not. They include rules that would narrow corporations' shared liability with affiliated companies and clarify time-and-a-half overtime pay. Here's a kicker, too. Olson, an unsuccessful GOP candidate in 2012 for a Texas district judge, uh, district court judgeship, fired off a series of late-night posts on his personal Facebook page three years ago that started as a sarcastic quip about former House Speaker Paul Ryan's blowout primary victory. Then it devolved into an exchange referencing two anti-Semitic troops that Jews control the media and that they look out for members of their own faith. It was a sarcastic criticism of the alt-right's conspiracy theories and anti-Semitic positions, Olson said in an interview. He declined to comment. So he's also somebody that would have been up to be a judge. So therein lies another reason why they had to execute this guy. So, um... <laughs> It's, it's really unbelievable. This guy, Ben Penn, he's like, this is the latest in a series of mishaps under the Trump administration personal vetting system. What makes, his Facebook, uh, what makes this one remarkable is that Olson's Facebook page was public to his non-friends. Any cursory screening of this social media accounts could have uncovered the anti-Semitism. All right. Um, well, what, what exactly did he post? <laughs> I mean, what, what was the real thing about it. Well, let's look at his post. He said, he's talking about Paul Nealon. If you remember, Paul Nealon was this, if there was an actual alt-right white supremacy guy, that would be Paul Nealon. Paul Nealon was a guy who was trying to pretend he was some MAGA guy. But when you looked at what his policy stance were, you were like, oh, dude, he's, he's been drummed out of everywhere. He was one of the, he was the first Alex Jones, Gavin McInnes drumming out guy, but he I don't want to say he deserved it, but he brought it upon himself um, because uh, his stances were pretty, uh, pretty, pretty bad. But Leif Olsen was talking about how Paul Ryan beat the snot out of Paul Nealon. And he here's his post. Establishment insider, Rido, corporate tool, Paul Ryan was finally brought to heel in tonight's primary election 
by an uprising of the conservative masses of real American, uh, real America's eager for an authentic voice in Washington instead of the same tired globalist open borders path that they've been pushing on us since the elites abandoned the people. The guy just suffered a massive, historic, emasculating seven-point victory. Let's see him and his Georgetown cocktail party puppet masters try to walk that one off. So he's joking about how Paul Nealon thinks he was going to win, and he got beat by like a 70-point victory. So then somebody responds to him and says, he's a neocon too, you know. Leif Olson says, no, he's not. Neocons are all Upper, upper East Side Zionists who... Don't golf on Saturday, if you know what I mean. He's joking there. That's what I meant. He's a Jew. Everyone knows that. Leaf responds, It must be true, because I've never seen the lamestream media report it, and you know they protect their own. And then the guy responds back, He worked for Jack Kemp. I'm trying to figure out the correct response to epic sarcasm. I guess I'll give you my son's favorite compliment. You speak sarcasm like it's your first language. Well, that part of the social media post was left off. Yeah, that part wasn't there. And so because of that, it makes it look really bad. If you take little cherry-picked parts out of context, they do it to the Bible all the time to justify their socialist agenda. But if you take little cherry-picked parts out, well, then it's easy to go, look at this guy's an anti-Semite. But he's not. He was joking. I do it all the time on social media. You take those positions of the people you mock and you amplify it in a mocking manner in such a way that it's so ridiculous that people can tell you're being sarcastic and you're joking that stance. So he writes this article. It goes out there to the point where Olson decides to resign and everybody goes crazy. Even Brian Stelter from NBC or MSN, or what was it? He's with CNN. Even he was like really floored by it. NBC was floored by it. I mean, it was, it was a bipartisan uh, incident. I mean, everybody in blue checkmark uh, land was really like, I can't believe you did this to this guy. And luckily he was reinstated after everybody learned that this guy didn't do anything wrong. They reinstated him. But it, this goes to show how far they will go to destroy you. They did it. They tried it with Steven Crowder. I mean, it doesn't matter. They will look for whatever post, whatever comment you said. They will find any means to find it. They will blow it up and then they will try to cancel you. This portion of the program is sponsored by Cat Coolers. So rugged, it changes everything. They keep ice cold for up to seven days. Made in the United States, customizable, four different colors, white, black, yellow, even camouflage. Look, if you're going out on the lake doing some fishing, it's beach weather. Maybe you're going camping with the kids. Maybe you're in the Boy Scouts. Maybe you want to take the cooler out on the job site. For those people that work with you, this thing will keep your items cool for hours. Spring, summer, right around the corner, picnicking. Outdoor season is upon us, boys and girls. A cat cooler will be your new best friend. Keep your food and drink fresher, colder, longer. Go to catcoolers.com. Use the promo code Adrian. Catcoolers.com. Use the promo code Adrian, and you will pick up an amazing Gibraltar-esque, sturdy, rugged cooler that will keep your items cold for hours. So let's talk about the political wokesters, those that came in woke into office 
who are now pushing crazy ideas like the elimination of the uh, Electoral College. We always get a kick out of AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, because she always says things that are really dim-witted and stupid. And uh, listen to her talk about the Electoral College. It's, it's fun. For calling the Electoral College a racist scam. We're coming to you live from the Electoral College. Many votes here, as you can see. Very efficient way to choose leadership of the country. The Democratic Socialists suggesting we abolish the voting system, suggesting it favors rural states and not places with large minority populations. Several Republicans hitting back against her claims. Iowa Senator Joni Ernst tweeting, Actually, AOC, eliminating the Electoral College would silence our voices here in Iowa and in many other states across the country. I'm not taking it back. It's bogus. It's a scam. I talked about how bogus the Electoral College is and Fox News got really mad. And, like, it's not just... It's not even about rural voters versus urban voters. That's the thing about the Electoral College. It's actually not about rural voters versus urban voters because if you cared about the voices of rural voters, you would allow all of you would allow all rural voters to come together and to have their vote all of their votes counted. But instead, if your state is a blue state and you're a rural voter, your vote is essentially erased, you know? And so for all those like Republicans that are like, oh, blah, 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 this helps us. Um, what about all of those Republican, what about all of those Republican voters in, for example, New York or in California um, who feel like their votes don't matter? Whereas suppose if they're in a popular vote, everyone's vote would count equally and we wouldn't give essentially affirmative action to a very few small band of voters and for all these folks that say the Electoral College is to instill fairness, well, we literally only select one very narrow group to allow their votes to count more than other people. Um, why don't we give Indian reservations an electoral vote? Why don't we give Puerto Rico and U.S. territories, U.S. all hundreds of thousands, if not millions of U.S. citizens, um, have zero representation. Why don't we give them an electoral vote? Why don't we accommodate our democracy for black Americans who were disenfranchised and in many ways continue to be disenfranchised for hundreds of years? We don't do any of that. We only consider fairness for a very, for a very like small band. And frankly, this original compromise was to accommodate slave owners. So it's codified and institutional. Of course, gaslighting wouldn't be a thing without the news media jumping in to support stupid ideas like the elimination of the Electoral College, where she tries to make it seem as though it's racist in certain communities because all the, all the white communities outside the black urban area are going to run everything. So Chris Hayes decided to bloviate about <laughs> the Electoral College. He wants to get all intellectualism-like. But I think there's actually a deeper philosophical thing happening, which is the question of what exactly American democracy is for. And the weirdest thing about the Electoral College is the fact that if it wasn't specifically in the Constitution for the presidency, it would be unconstitutional. Here's what I mean by that. Starting in the 1960s, 1961, uh, particularly, the Supreme Court started developing a jurisprudence of one person, one vote, right? The idea is that each individual 
vote has to carry roughly the same amount of weight as each other individual vote, which is a pretty intuitive concept, but it was not a reality. There are all sorts of crazy representational systems that were created that would not give one person one vote and would disenfranchise certain minorities. You can guess which ones. Here's an example. Let's say you've got a city, it's 60% black and it's 40% white, okay? Here's how you ensure white people stay in charge. Divide the city into four voting districts, right? But you put the entire black population in one district, 60% of the people. And then each district elects one city council member. And voila, now the city council for a majority black city is run by a majority white government. Uh, what was that? <laughs> if it's not in the Constitution, then it's unconstitutional. Ah, uh, that would be correct. This was like Raleigh Sakers giving a TED Talk. Do you remember who Raleigh Sakers is? You went for line drawings and you f***ed up, you f***ing idiot. You brainwashed yourself, you motherfucking stupid suckers, because you never studied your whole homework. That's two capital H's there. All the rest are lowercase in any fucking case. Supreme Court, you are not the fucking Supreme Court of anything. Except hell. For the next 10,000 years, you will shovel your shit and eat it because you're on refeed, motherfucker. That just started backwards and you can't do a fucking thing about it. The public are going to take back every fucking thing from you that you took away from them, you motherfucker. Yeah, most people didn't realize the crazy guy on the Sublime Robin the Hood album, his name was Ra- Raleigh Sakers. But that's... That was just as insane as what Chris Hayes just talked about on a national media platform. And so we have to look at some other things that are really insane is what came on a national media platform just the other day. (laughs) The climate town hall, seven hours, seven hours of climate change and crazy ideas The Babylon Bee said, experts, it may be too late to halt climate change town hall on CNN. (laughs) No, it's coming. And it came in like Dorian. Keep us in prayer because this thing's rolling right towards us. Um, It came in like Dorian and it made a mess. The agenda items that they were talking about, all insane. They made Joe Biden's eyes bleed. He like popped a blood vessel in the middle of talking and suddenly his eye is red as a beet. It was unbelievable. So let's listen to, uh, I've got a little montage of Beto, Kamala, Elizabeth Warren, maybe even some Bernie Sanders if we got time. Plastic straws are a big thing right now. Yeah. Do you ban plastic straws? I think we should. Yes. I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. It's really difficult to drink out of a paper straw when you had, if you're just like, if you don't gulp it down immediately, it starts to bend. And then, then, you know, the little thing catches it. And then, you know, so we got to kind of perfect that one a little bit more. So you ban it, but rely on innovation. I mean, we got we got it. Yeah. Innovation is is a process. Um, My son, Henry, who's eight years old, when I was talking to him the other night, um, he asked me, Dad, if you win and you become president, we get to live in El Paso, right? And I said, no, if, if we win the way this works, we would live in Washington, D.C. But he knew, because I had told him about the warming that we face, that our community will be uninhabitable, will not sustain human life along this current trajectory unless something dramatically and fundamentally changes. Is that look, a yes? No. Here's, look, there are a lot of ways 
that we try to change our energy consumption and our pollution. And God bless all of those ways. Some of it is with light bulbs, some of it is on straws, some of it, bang, is on cheeseburgers, right? There are a lot of different pieces to this, and I get that people are trying to find the part that they can work on and what can they do, and I'm in favor of that, and I'm going to help, and I'm going to support. Human population growth has more than doubled in the past 50 years. The planet cannot sustain this growth. I realize this is a poisonous topic for politicians, but it's crucial to face. Empowering women and educating everyone on the need to curb population growth seems a reasonable campaign to enact. Would you be courageous enough to discuss this issue and make it a key feature of a plan to address climate catastrophe? Well, Martha, the answer is yes. <laughs> and the answer has everything to do with the fact that women in the United States of America, by the way, have a right to control their own bodies and make reproductive decisions. And the Mexico City Agreement, which denies American aid to those organizations around the world that, are, uh, that allow women to have abortions or even get involved uh, in birth control, to me is totally absurd. So I think, especially in poor countries around the world, uh, where women do not necessarily want to have large numbers of babies, and where they can have the opportunity through birth control to control the number of kids they have, something I very, very strongly uh, support. Good Lord, Bernie Sanders, he wants to kill all the babies across the globe. Yeah, we need to have population control here, which I was having a discussion with somebody the other day, and they said, oh, socialists and, and people on the Democratic Socialist side, they never talk about population control. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And in fact, they just talked about it right then. I mean, by their master, by the one who is the embodiment of pop of uh, democratic socialism. In fact, Ted Cruz had a great tweet on this. He said, in a surprise move last night, Bernie Sanders announced Thanos as his running mate. That's right. He was going to snap his fingers and cure the population control issue. Now, let's see, what are we banning out of all this? We're banning uh, straws, cheeseburgers, meat, cars. Uh, you know, I'm going to suck grinded beef through a freaking plastic straw, and I'm going to do it on an oil rig in the Gulf of Mexico, just to show you how much I hate this crap. How much electricity was used to produce a seven-hour climate town hall on CNN? How much fossil fuel was used to bring in the candidates, the hosts, the audience, the television staff, security, the vendors, the assistants? It's pure crap. And while these candidates and the Hollywood elites and everyone else flies around on private jets or scoots to climate uh, summits on luxurious yachts, you'll be meatless scooting around on a light rail cattle car, toting around groceries in a bag drenched with salmonella, salmonella from the last time you bought chicken and sucking flavored water because can't have soda with paper straws. That's, that's you know, how they, they want it. You're the plebes, okay? You're the one that is causing environmental injustice. Oh, you didn't know that was a thing? Yeah, listen to Julian Castro talk about environmental justice. And I know that too often times, it's people who are poor, communities of color, who take the brunt 
of storms that are getting more frequent and more powerful. And so my plan actually calls for new civil rights legislation to be able to address environmental injustice. Yeah, environmental injustice. Yeah, the rain, yeah, the climate, the rain drops a little heavier on the communities of color. <laughs> how, does, how does a hurricane distribute towards racism? I, I, I'm, I'm floored on that one. How does, how does a hurricane, because that's what they're trying to say. Well, you know, this hurricane's coming across the coast of the East Coast, and it's because of climate change when we haven't had a direct hit in Florida by a hurricane in 11 years. It's been that long, 11 years. And so environmental racism is suddenly a thing because somebody is poor and they're assuming that people of color are all poor and they're going to be the ones where, you know, the, uh, the global warming is going to burn them a little bit harder than everyone else. I don't understand it. He also kind of gave up positions on why politicians will act like lawyers and why they don't stick to the positions that they campaign on. In a clip talking about when he was mayor and he worked for a, he was dealing with the mayor and he worked for a law firm. Listen to this. Uh, I think many of us look back and say, wow, you know, we, the earlier we could start, the better. So, of course, if I were mayor of San Antonio again, would I approach things a little bit differently? Yeah, perhaps. Uh, but I also know that there are some ways that I've stood up, for instance, for clean water. When I was 26 years old, uh, I got elected to the city council, and, then, and I was employed at the biggest law firm in town. Uh, and a few months after I got elected, the, client, the law firm got a client, and the client of our law firm wanted us to incentivize a land deal, and the land deal was to build a golf course over our water supply because we relied on an underground aquifer in San Antonio for water. And I wanted to vote against it because I figured that all of the chemicals that you would use on that golf course could endanger or compromise the integrity of the water. But under the ethics rules for lawyers, you can't just go against the interests of a client of the law firm that you work for. So I was stuck. I had a decision to make. My livelihood, you know, the new house I had bought, the loan payment, school loan payment that I had, the car payment, my livelihood basically depended on me shutting up and taking a conflict of interest and telling my constituents that wanted me to vote against this because they were afraid of what might happen to our water, telling them, hey, I can't help you out because I have this conflict. Yeah, can't mess with his student loan, can't mess with his livelihood, can't mess with his new car. He's going to have to vote against his policies. Hmm, that's not every politician in D.C., See, this is the thing. They want to stick you in a freezing chill effect by not going against the woke culture, by not, not thinking critically. They want to circumvent power by eliminating the Electoral College. They want to remove your power by eliminating your ability to bear arms. But they want to empower those who want to have abortions and kill babies because that's empowering and they want to remove the Electoral College so they can easily scoot in. And then they're going to implement getting rid of meat and getting rid of straws and getting rid of your car and making you ride light rail. This is all the left is. And if you can't boil that down to some sort of communism because they want open borders, but they want that socialism, then nothing's going to resonate with you.
I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning into the show. Listen to us on Mojo Five O Radio. You can find that on iHeartRadio or go to Mojo50.com. Every Wednesday, 10 p.m., you can also listen to us on the weekends, Saturday, 5 p.m., Sunday morning, midnight. Also, get the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, Overcast, wherever podcasts are hosted, and be sure to give us a review. Give us a good five-star review that's going to help us go up in the ratings so we're more visible to others. You can also donate to the show. Go to patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show. Give $2 a month or go to anchor.fm and search Adrian Slade. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Gab, MeWe, Parlor, Convo, Snippy. Search Adrian Slade. Follow us on Twitter at Rants Out Loud or at Adrian Slade Show, which is the official show page on Twitter. And you can also read the blog, adriansladeshow.com. You can also get the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel in your streaming store on the Roku streaming channel store. Be sure to download the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in.